ready for today? Yes. No, you're not. <laughs> As we are continuing our shamanic journey of this series that we launched now five weeks ago, entitled Love Is, I must give you this cautioning and this disclaimer. Today's sermon comes with some turbulence. Last Sunday came with some turbulence too, and I got people who emailed and DM'd, I'm unfollowing you, I'm blocking you, I can't believe that you're preaching hate and you're against Pride Month. And I said, I guess you don't understand. I'm going to preach sound doctrine whether you like it or not. My sister could tell you, I said I would never be a preacher. So I'm not scared of losing it because I never desired it. I do this out of obedience, not out of likes. So today, I'm going to say a lot of stuff you don't like. Okay? <laughs> this message is going to come with some turbulence, but it's all for the purpose of, number one, getting us to be accurate biblical billboards of the kingdom. That's the first reason. And then number two is to close every door. Every door that the enemy is trying to wreak havoc in in our life. We're not giving him a room. No place. We're not giving him a place in our garage, a place in our attic, a place in our living room, and we're surely not giving him a place in our bedroom. Because hear me, you cannot rebuke a devil that you keep giving the cheeks to. I'm not sorry. I told y'all turbulence. I'm not sorry. My generation requires real. You cannot rebuke a devil that you enjoy dating. You cannot rebuke a devil that you enjoy sleeping with. Because 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 told us to test the spirit. You know what our problem is, Herbert? We're testing bodies but not spirits. Turbulence. Please buckle your seatbelts. I'm simply suggesting, please hear my heart. Please hear me. My prayer is that we will not be people who cut off conviction but then we'll binge watch what contaminates. I'm done. This man said cheeks in the pulpit. I'm done. <laughs> but, okay, you will binge watch porn with your bullet though. Don't play with me. Okay, you're going to binge watch every season of Game of Thrones, but you have an issue with me saying cheeks in the pulpit? May we be people who do not cut off what convicts, but then will binge what contaminates. Somebody say turbulence. So in our foundational text, we're going to have two scriptures we're going to read and exegete for the time that we have together on this afternoon. John chapter 15, verse 13. It's a familiar passage of scripture depending on where you reside in your Christian journey. And then we're going to do a little hopscotch over to Proverbs chapter 7, verse 16. John chapter 15, verse 13. If you do not have a tangible Bible, you could just look on the screen. Or if you're watching online, it'll be on the lower thirds for you. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus is giving us, this is the definition of biblical love. It is seen by your willingness to sacrifice. Okay? Now, let's go over to Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going to hear a seductress definition of what love is. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 16. This chick says, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. My God. Come, let's drink deeply of, what's that word? Love. Till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. 
my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. That should have been the red flag right there. <laughs> Let, let's, ooh, I'm going to say something strong. Okay. You cannot love your spouse and enjoy breaking their heart at the same time. Let us enjoy each other. Enjoy love. My husband's not here. You can't love your spouse and enjoy breaking their heart at the same time. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, fellas, watch it. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Wives, please hear me. Wives and future wives. If you do not know how to talk to your husband, if you do not know how to talk to your head, the spirit of Delilah does. Also, for husbands, husbands, if your wife cannot find safety with her emotions with you, if being with you causes for her emotions to be homeless, she can't share her emotions without you saying, what you crying for? Stop all that. If she can't do that, and if you don't know how to speak to her with honor, the spirit of Delilah does. Spirits don't care your gender. Like the spirit of Jezebel is not just females, it's also in men. The spirit of Delilah, what is that? It is a spirit that steals your strength through immorality. Study Delilah. She was after Samson's strength through immorality because the Philistines were going to pay her. I need me a high-value man. I need a six-figure man. That sounds like Delilah to me because I'm looking for somebody I could take from. Okay. Turbulence. All right. Verse 22, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. Till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. I was going to stop there, but I just feel the need to keep reading. Okay, it says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways are stray into her path. Get off her page. Don't follow her. Don't DM her. Make it modern where you understand it. Okay. Him too. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading to the chambers of death. Okay. J just in case we miss this. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 13, let me give you my definition of love. Let me give you the greatest definition of love. But then in Proverbs 7, the seductress, her definition of love will cost you your life. Y'all catching this? Jesus describes what love is to us. He says, okay, love is the laying down of self for the benefit of others, which equates to sacrifice. Seduction, seduction says love is laying down yourself for yourself, which equates to self-sabotage. I need to say it one more time. Okay, Jesus says, all right, love is you laying down yourself for the benefit of others. Seduction says love is you laying down yourself for the benefit of yourself, 
which equates to self-sabotage. Laying with the seductress produces self-sabotage. That is the mismanagement of seasons, the mismanagement of opportunities. It is making self-sabotaging decisions that will force you to experience a season of recovery. You're forced into it. And then when I'm looking at this text, I say, you know what? I'm seeing something interwoven all throughout the fabric of Scripture. We see that Satan has this pattern. Somebody say pattern. Satan has this pattern to try to assist us in our own assassination. So good. He tries to assist us in killing ourselves. Bible all day. You won't surely die. For God knows if you eat this fruit, you will be like him. He's trying to be an assistant to Eve's assassination. And he won there. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, in the wilderness. Satan tells Jesus, jump off this cliff. For it is written that he will give his angels in charge about you lest you dash your foot against a stone. He is trying to be an assistant to his own assassination. I'll give you more Bible. Job chapter 1. Satan goes before the Lord and says, does Job fear you for nothing? You put a hedge of protection around him and all he has. Remove that hedge. Let me afflict him and he will curse you to your face. And then the enemy goes out and afflicts Job. Why? Because Satan has a methodology of trying to be an assistant in our own assassination. He really can't do nothing to you but help you kill you. That's it. Present and persuade. Hear me. Not being able to tell the difference between lust and love will cause us to enroll in seasons of recovery due to self-sabotaging behavior because wrong bedrooms lead to death. Selah, it's quiet. Wrong Bedrooms lead to death. I'm in the text. Verse 23, little knowing it will cost him his life. Verse 27, her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Not knowing the difference between lust and love will cause for something to die in your life. So here's the question. Here's the question. What has died on the inside of you? Due to a bedroom? Hmm. Okay. If the text lets us know that bedrooms that have not been consecrated by covenant are a highway to the grave. And many of us have deliberately or unknowingly been in some graveyards. Have been in some graveyards that go by the name of bedrooms, I have a sneaky suspicion that there are people under the sound of my voice in the house, in the overflow, and watching online who need healing from bedrooms and need to be detoxed from bedrooms. Because some of this information is new, and then some of this information, we did it anyway. <laughs> we, we, we just did it anyway. And What I'm trying to get us to look at is, does your definition of love sound more like Proverbs 7? Or does your definition of love sound more like John 15? See, because if you're a millennial, Gen Z, well, I guess baby boomers and Generation X too, y'all just did a little different. But our childhood discipled us to learn love from Proverbs 7. In our music, let's make love in this club, in this club. What is that? Proverbs 7, indoctrination. I'm going to keep going. These are the signs of love making. Are you that Zodiac freak I've been looking for? See, some of y'all bobbing your head. See? See? That is Proverbs 7, indoctrination. That is lyrics that lead you to experience death. That is lyrics that leads you to be like a deer stepping in a noose. That is lyrics that is like a bird who has an arrow piercing its liver. 
I'm trying to get us to get this. I'm trying to get us to get it. When we make love all night, when we make... You're like, that's my jam. It's Proverbs 7. And really what you're doing is, when we make strongholds all night, when we play with devils all night, when we... That's all it is. Baby boomers, you're not off the hook. Let's get it on. Y'all not off the hook yet. Same thing. All right. Am I telling the truth? We were listening to Proverbs 7 sermons and singing Proverbs 7 lyrics and wondering why we're experiencing the death from Proverbs 7 women. From Proverbs 7 men, we've been indoctrinated to mislabel love as lust. And I want to help us on today because I just firmly, through my prayer over this sermon, healing is going to happen on the day. Hear me. Exposure is going to happen on today. Freedom is going to happen on today. Forgiveness is going to happen on today. Some breakups are going to happen on today. Understanding is going to happen on today. Every satanic strategy in the area of sexual immorality is going to be exposed on today. Everybody who has been bound by a sexual encounter that was vandalism of the soul, they're going to get free and healed on today. Let's speak around this thought from this subject, bedroom confessions. Bedroom confessions. I was going to have a bed up here today where I could really break it down. But in prayer, God was like, listen, I need you to teach the difference. They can't fight the stronghold appropriately if they have the definition inaccurately. They have to fully be able to understand what love is so they can see what love is not. So now they can fight it with biblical intelligence. I'm just, I'm just convinced. I'm talking to somebody, maybe just four of y'all in the house that are like, you know what? I'm tired of getting drenched from the same storm. Like the same one. I understand we're going to have problems and I'm going to get wet. We learned in the planted series, enjoy the rain. Okay, but I'm tired of the same rain cloud. I don't want problems, but if I'm going to have them, let them be different. Anybody? I'm tired of getting drenched from the same storm. I've been dealing with this since 14. I've been dealing with this since 6. I want to be free from it. I'm talking to the person that's disgusted because they washed it again. And the self-hatred that you feel like, man, I'm tired of doing this. I'm talking to you. And you want to be free from it. Freedom is going to happen on the day. Because really, there are three types of storms. Y'all ready for this? There are three types of storms. Storms we create, storms we can silence, and storms that water us. Three types of storms. Storms we create. Let's park right there. These are storms that are formed by our decisions. So that thunder, crackety crack. That wind, that rain, that's not the devil. That's not God. That's all you, bro. (laughs) We try to blame the devil for our choices when, hear me, many of us are behaving our way into seasons. We are slothful, slothfulness is leading us into seasons. This is not the devil. Y'all should see y'all face. This is not the devil. This is due to the contradiction to what I prayed for that I keep sleeping with. You know that this is a contradiction from everything you asked. And I'm not talking about preferences. I'm talking about standards. 
You asked for them to be godly. You asked for them to tell the truth. I'm not even talking about height or money yet. Can they love Jesus? The stuff that you asked Jesus for, you know that this is a contradiction, but you're sleeping with it. Put my foot of gas a little more. We are literally befriending what hell sent to kill you. Because hell sends your type. See? Storms we create. Hear me. Rebellion always removes the divine umbrella of protection. Rebellion. Ask Achan all day. Don't touch the gold. He wanted to touch the statues in gold anyway. So they lost the battle of Ai. That was a smaller town. A lot of us are losing small fights that we have the power to win because of our rebellion. Rebellion removes the divine umbrella of protection. Obedience is the immunization that keeps the storm from being infectious. Because it's one thing to go through a storm. It's another thing to carry a storm. You could always tell when you're with or surrounded by somebody who's carrying a storm because they produce unstable environments. Talk, Lord. They produce unstable environments. Somebody say, storms, storms. We, create. we create. All right, number two is storms we can silence. They exist only because you let them. This storm is tolerated drama, tolerated toxicity, until the thunder disturbs your peace enough. Until the lightning disturbs your peace enough, you will keep on making excuses on why you're drenched. This is a storm that you can stop as soon as you say, we're done. As soon as you say, I'm not smoking with y'all. As soon as you say, I'm not going to the hookah bar. As soon as you say, you have the power to say, peace be still to this storm. It's a storm that you could silence. You could silence. Have you ever noticed that sometimes somebody's departure is peace's arrival? I noticed this when I was a student pastor. There was just some teenagers, when they came on the trip with us, I had to pray up. I was like, okay, you sit next to me. Because somehow you always come with an atmosphere that there is good energy right now. Everybody is happy, excited to go to Splashtown. You came with us on the field trip mad. I'm like, aren't you happy that you're going on a water slide? It's too hot. You are 17. Why? And so there are certain people that once they depart, they'll be like, Jerry, I don't think I'm going with y'all to Splashtown. In my flesh, I wanted to say, good. Thank you. We fool anyway. We're good. It's crazy that the same hand gesture that says hello is the exact same hand gesture that says goodbye. What does God want you to say goodbye to? So that there's a blessing that you can say hello to. So good, y'all. Storms we can silence. And lastly, there's storms that could water us. These are circumstances that you can't rebuke, you can't bind, you can't pray it away. This is why it seems as though God is not answering your prayers. Because this is not a devil, this is growth. This is not your boss just getting on your nerves. This is God watering your maturity. You want to grow up? Here's some water for you. And your ability to differentiate between if this is a storm I created, a storm I can silence, or a storm that's growing me up is tied to your peace. Because when I know it's a storm that I created, I carry myself a little differently. When I know it's a storm I can silence, I'm going to take the necessary steps to stop the thunder. But when it's a storm that God has given me to mature and grow up, I'm going to say, God, I'm not praying just to get out of this. I'm praying, God, what do you want me to get out of this? Can I get us to say this confession? And everybody watching online, can we put this in the room in all caps? Can I get us to say, Father, Father detox, me, detox me, purge me, purge me from, any from any and everything, everything 
that will contaminate my witness. Father, detox me, purge me from any and everything that would contaminate my witness. Does anybody receive that? I don't want to just get to heaven. I want to be a witness while I'm here. That's the difference in sold-out Christians and casual Christians. Casual Christians, they just want to pass. Y'all ever met people like that? I just don't want to get an F. <laughs> I just want to pass. I'm cool. I got a, a 70. I'm straight. I passed. I'm not aiming for as high as I can get. Just don't flunk me. That's casual Christianity. I just want to go to heaven. But then there are other Christians that's like, listen, God has been so good that while I'm here, I'm going to cause major dents in the kingdom of darkness, and I'm going to shine bright with all of my life because God has been that good to me. That's the difference. So it would be poor pastoral care to the individuals that I'm honored to serve. Ministerial injustice, if you will. For us to have a series that has been designed and constructed by the Holy Spirit to educate some and remind others that the DNA of the Christian, y'all should have this memorized by now, the DNA of the Christian resides in these four qualities, love, repentance, obedience, and giving God glory. I'm going to say that till this series is, series is done, where it can stick to your head like adhesive. The reason that's at the forefront of this series that we've been in is because I'm trying to get people to understand the way you treat people has more impact than your Christian post ever will. The way you treat people will have more impact than your YouTube channel ever will. The way you treat people will have more of an impact than your podcast or your videos ever will. So it's not about statements as much as it is treatment. I can't say I love Jesus and treat people like trash. I can't. That's what I've been so passionate about. It would be poor pastoral care to the people that I get graciously to serve. For us to not dedicate and reserve a section of this Love Is series to help people dissect the difference between love and lust. Because many of us, what we are calling love is really lust. I love you. No, you lust them. They love me. No, they lust you. Lust and love look just alike in the beginning. Woo, are y'all ready? Lust can camouflage as love until it's time to sacrifice. Listen, lust can look just like love until it's time to sacrifice, until it's time to serve, until it's time to be patient, until it's time to be inconvenienced, until it's time to keep no record of wrongdoings, until it's time to be Christ-like, until. Because love gives. Bible all day. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Lust, though? It takes. Love serves. Lust, though, depletes. Love sacrifices. Lust hoards. Love has a willingness to be inconvenienced. Lust is exposed when you're inconvenient. Did y'all hear what I just said? Love is like, okay, I, I'm willing to be inconvenienced because I love this. I love my church. Y'all need us to help clean up? I am willing to be inconvenienced to help because I love the place that spiritually edifies me. I love the community of kingdom believers that I get to fellowship with. So I'm going to give back because I love my church. Lust my church. I'm going to just take from it. Okay, it's going to get quiet. All right. Love 
So therefore, you don't love at first sight, you lust at first sight. You lust at first sight. I don't know, Pastor. I disagree with that. We just fell in love. No, you fell in lust. You choose to love. Same with we just fell out of love with each other. Saying you fell out of love with each other and divorcing is like selling your car because it ran out of gas. <laughs> Fill it up. <laughs> love is a choice. You choose to not hold a record. Can, can I be real? As fine as my wife is. When I first saw her in May of 2011 in Oklahoma City, I still remember this. I didn't see her and was like, girl, you so fine, I want to die to my flesh. Girl, you look so good, I just want to hold no records of wrongs against you. You look so good, I just want to suffer long. As cute as Josiah is, I don't look at him and say, man, you are so cute. I just want to crucify my sinful nature along with his passions and desires. You choose to do that. So it has to be taught. And as a choice, will you choose to not hold the record of wrong? Or will you lust and keep on holding records against them? Somebody say lust. 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 Lust goes at the speed of rushing. We ain't getting counsel. We ain't doing it. I don't need anybody. I'm good. I got speed of rushing. I don't want to risk doing this and lose him, lose her. Okay. Um, boundaries. Right, let me give you a quote. Let me, let's, let's give you a gem real quick. Okay. When you try something, you risk failure. When you don't try, you ensure it. When you try, you do risk failure. These boundaries might make him leave. These boundaries might make them leave. This might not work. Risk, it might come with failure. But to not take one, you ensure it. You are insured to break your heart when you do not get godly counsel. It's insured. Guaranteed, 100%. Just like it's a 100% chance it's going to be hot outside today, it's a 100% chance. <laughs> you insure lust. Lust. It is heart poison that's sugar-coated. Coated as kisses and cuddles. Lust. Lust, it blindfolds you to red flags. Lust, you can't see God's warning. You don't see God's big red flag because they give you big orgasms. You can't see it. Lust, I'm not sorry, I told you, turbulence. Lust blindfolds you to what God is trying to tell you no to and what he has not endorsed. Lust. Lust, it is the impulse of pleasure. Lust always makes you think after. <laughs> this is why after you're done, you start thinking. <laughs> Am I telling the truth, Warren? Lust always thinks after. Let me give you another, Jim. If you always think afterwards, your life will always look like aftermath. Talk, Holy Spirit. If you think afterwards, your life is going to look like aftermath. Lust. Lust. Fleeting pleasures. But Pastor, I want to be free from it. Okay. Who knows about it? See? See? I want to be free from this. Who knows about that? Because lust is strengthened by concealment. You know what the gym membership for lust is? Secrecy. You're so bound because it's so secretive. Nobody knows about it. Got to delete the text messages. Wait till my wife's asleep. Hopefully I can go. It's secretive. Hear me. 
Secrecy is the oxygen for lust. Therefore, accountability takes his breath away. Who knows about it? If you're really tired of struggling with it, lust is strengthened by secrecy. That's his oxygen. So accountability and confessing, that takes his breath away. Let me give you a Bible. Y'all can see I'm not up here giving you my opinions. Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Maybe you're so bound because it's so secretive. Nobody knows about it. Pastor, I want to be free. I've been dealing with this. Dealing with what? Just pray for me. <laughs> Somebody shout, ouch. Okay, lust. Lust is deficiency playing dress up. Oh, we're going to unpack that in just a minute. Some of us, the enemy's been lying to you and making you think that you're so lustful, but really you have so many deficiencies, which is causing for you to lust for it. I'm going to break that down a little bit. Okay, so what I'm trying to get us to understand is our godliness is tied to our loving ability. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. So your godlikeness, your godliness is tied to your loving ability. Therefore, spiritual growth is tied to you winning the war of lust. Did y'all hear me? It's tied to me winning the war. And this is why I'm so passionate about this for part five of this series. Because as I was studying, God put this in my heart. Share this with my people. I want their flesh to have a less role so that the spirit can have the main role where I could display my goodness and love through every role. So good. I, your flesh, I need that to die. I need that to be crucified so my spirit in you can have the main role. We are many members of one body. The eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The wrist can't say to the shoulder, I don't need you. We all have different roles. So whatever the role you have in the body of Christ is, God wants to display his glory through that role. He wants to display his love through that role. So let's kill that flesh so that spirit can have the main role. I want to give you more Bible, okay? Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Beloved, I beg you. As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lust, which war against your soul. I want to break this down. What does he mean as sojourners? He's saying, I'm begging you as people who are here temporarily. What does he mean as pilgrims? As somebody who's passing through. I'm begging you as people who don't live here forever. And this is not your home to don't start falling to the odors of culture. Jesus says, no greater love than this, than he who lays down his life for a friend. Isn't it funny that we had a whole lot of people who said they loved us, but they never laid nothing down? Let's make it personal and come for your edges. Isn't it funny? We've told people that we love them. But we don't have a resume of laying anything down, laying our pride down, laying our arrogance down, laying our profanity down, laying our verbal abuse down. Okay, y'all don't want to talk to me. Is it really love or is it Proverbs 7 definition? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. I'm driving this home, y'all. Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are yours? Is that what the text says? Which are yours? Which are God's? Okay. 
I really want to drive this home even further because I'm trying to get us to understand it's not just about you being horny. It's deeper than that. So can I go a little deeper for a second? Okay, Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 26, all right? God says, let us make man in our are y'all seeing this? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Who is us and our? It is irrefutable evidence of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God is saying, let us make them like us. God is three in one. Therefore, mankind is three in one too. We are body, soul, and spirit. So there's a chart I want to refresh your memory where you can see this. It's not just about lust. It's deeper than that. I want us to understand what it means when Paul says, okay, um, every sexual sin is against the body. So your body, that is the part of you that has world awareness. You're cold, you put on a jacket. You're hot, you put on something that's not as warm. You wipe your sweat. You're hungry, you feed yourself. This is the part of you that your flesh is aware of what's going on around you. All right? Now, your body, though, provides room and board for your soul and your spirit. Now, in the Bible, soul and spirit are not always synonymous. I want to prove this to you for you to see this in Hebrews chapter 4. And then we're going to come back to the chart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Okay, so now let's go back to the chart so we can understand this. I really am trying to drive this home where we can get this. You have a body. Your body houses your soul and your spirit. Carl, put the chart back up. I want them to see this. So when the text says... There is a division between the soul and the spirit. The soul, I tried to get us to understand this before, that means psyche in the Greek. It's where we get the word psychology. So your soul contains your mind, your will, your emotions, and your reasoning. Okay? Your spirit is the only part of you that can connect to God. Your spirit is like the ethernet cord to God. That's how you download revelation, upload worship. Worship him in spirit and in truth. A lot of us try to worship in body, but you're not connected to him in spirit. Is this making sense? Okay, so sometimes what God's word tells us to do in our spirit is fighting with what we poured in our soul. Because before we ever got saved, our body discipled our soul. Does this make sense? All right. Without Jesus, you are spiritually dead. A lot of us in here right now, you could be sitting next to a dead man or a dead woman. Body alive, soul alive, but spiritually dead. I disagree. Let me give you a Bible where you can see it. So here's a parable that Jesus gave, parable of the prodigal son. I'm only going to read a portion of it. Luke chapter 15, verse 21. Then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe. Forget all that. And put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted cat and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. If you read the parable of the prodigal son, it never says that he experienced physical death. But notice how Jesus describes death when you're not connected to the father. So good, y'all. So really, can I go even a little deeper? Nobody really said anything. Can I go a little deeper? Okay. So truthfully, out of 8 billion plus people in the world, God only sees two. First Adam or second Adam? That's it. Out of 8 
plus billion people, God either sees the blood of Jesus or object of wrath. So this is why you should be able to shake off condemnation. Because when you stand before God, he either sees the blood of my son or the first Adam. Because in Adam, all died. Did y'all catch in the text where it said be made alive again? Did y'all see that? Just in case you missed it. I want to show you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. Y'all, I'm showing you all these scriptures because I do not want us to be a biblically ignorant church. In the time of everybody preaching, having Facebook lives and podcasts, I want you to know the Bible for yourself. Okay? You will not sit in this church and be deceived because you never read the Bible. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. All right, so let's put the chart back up where you can see this. So Paul is saying, okay, sexual sin is sin against your body. Your body houses your soul and your spirit. So when I engage in sexual immorality, that's not just affecting my body. It's also affecting the way I think, my imagination, some of these dreams that we're having, my desires, my cravings. You can't see a man as a brother without seeing him as a possible sex partner first. Brothers, too, you can't see her giftedness or her grace or her beauty outside of her breasts and her backside. Because I've engaged in so many things that have affected my body and my soul so that when the Holy Spirit tries to tell our spirit to upload scripture in our mind, the soul begins to fight it because our body wants it. Does this make sense? Making sense? All right. So I wanted to show us all of that so that we could fully understand. I was doing some research, and it says, okay, 60% of daily web traffic is to pornography. 40% of these visits are done hourly. That number increases to 70% when the audience is between 18 to 36. Okay. So this means sex is a gift from God, correct? Correct. 70% of us are letting perverted minds teach us how to unwrap God's gift. And then we wonder why I can't perform with her. It's because my body has been enrolled in perversion. My soul has been enrolled in perversion. And then when I get in covenant and I wanted to perform like kingdom, it can't. Because I didn't detox from the perversion. So I believe we have, number one, manipulators. What is that? Those are people who are legit trying to just get something from you. They are manipulators. Con artists of the soul. Manipulators don't confuse love with lust. But they sure hope you do. <laughs> manipulators. Number two, sometimes we're confused or we're bound by lust due to our first teacher. Your first introduction was through molestation. Your first introduction was due to pornography. Or lastly, where I'm a park, is sometimes we're experiencing lust due to deficits. Can I explain that? If there's a deficiency of words of affirmation at home in your marriage when the seductress on your job speaks that affirmation lust begins to brew not because your heart doesn't love Jesus but because there's an area that's deficient it's making sense I made this chart two years ago and I want y'all to see it it's the peers chart y'all remember this the peers chart it's your physical self intellectual self, emotional self, recreational self, and spiritual self. This is your whole self, okay? So if I'm deficient in the area of my physical self, 
Well, if you were Satan, what would you do? Send somebody who feeds your physical. If I have a deficiency in my intellectual self, man, nobody just has any sense. I'm going to send you somebody who stimulates your intelligence. <laughs> I'm not fulfilled in that area. If, if I have an emotional wound there, I'm going to send you somebody who caters to your emotions. If I lack recreation, you don't have any fun. When somebody come in your life and say, hey, let's go to the movies tonight. Let's, okay, now you get clingy because I already have a deficit and you're feeling it for me. You are my chevron. You are my shell. I was on E before I met you. Your spiritual self, I'm not growing at all. The only time you open the Bible is when I say turn to Genesis. That's it. The next time you open your Bible is if you come to church next Sunday. So when somebody during the week starts talking spiritual language to you, well, he, he loves God. He's quoting scripture and she, she loves God. And oh, this is a Christian corporation. Oh, they, they. I'm trying to help us because it's a deficit. This freed me, y'all, because it let me know, Jerry, what if what you're seeking is because an area that's empty? And if you allow God to fill it, or if you begin to be intentional with those empty areas and fill them, then I can resist temptation easy. A sister, I could see her as a sister. Because in Christ, all that's filled, and in my marriage, all that's filled. Is this making sense, y'all? So let's end with this, and we'll get out of here because I think that's enough for today. Signs of lust. Number one, annoyed by sacrifice. Signs of love, willing to sacrifice. I'm going to go kind of quick. Y'all have to replay it online or whatnot, okay? So the sign of lust, number one, is they're annoyed by sacrifice. And this is something I want you to see if you reside here too. Don't always think it's them, okay? It might be you. Remember, the biggest red flag is when you can't see that you're one, Okay? Signs of lust, one-sided routines, okay? Signs of love, reciprocity is your character, okay? Lust, many times, it hurts so much because you unlocked your heart for them. But their routine is one-sided. Make a sense? Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Number three, signs of lust is pleasure-based. Signs of love is purpose-founded. I'm not saying that you don't need somebody who's not attractive. I'm not saying that doesn't matter. I'm just saying it shouldn't matter the most. Okay? Number four, signs of lust. Fantasize. You spend all day thinking about them. Fantasize. You want to unlock your heart. They want to unzip their zipper. You fantasize about them. Signs of lust, okay? Signs of love, you want to help them focus. When you're lustful, you just fantasize. Ooh, they make me feel. Ooh, they make me feel. When it's love, they say stuff that gets on your nerves that helps you focus. Girl, we're not doing that tonight. We're going to run it. It's hot. Remember, you had gold, right? We'll wait till 730. We're going to go out. Girl, I ain't doing that. Come on. Man, they always, they're helping you focus on your goal. Fantasize, you forget you have goals. You forget you got a whole family at home. You f All right. Okay. <laughs> Last one, sign of lust. You have little knowledge of who they really are. That's not love you feel. It's lust. You haven't met their mama. You don't know their middle name. 
What's their favorite color? Have they been to jail? I'm not judging. I just want to know what for. Why? Seriously. Okay, I'm done. Y'all, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Go back and review this. I'll pick up on it next week. Was this good for us? Yeah. I, that was about to open up a whole nother level. <laughs> we are done. We're done. Next Sunday will probably be Bedroom Confessions Part 2. <laughs> We're done. But look, I wanted to do this and give you a little spiritual depth and go through several passages of scriptures. I've been to churches where we don't open the Bible at all. I want you to see for yourself is deeper than you being aroused. It affects your body, your soul, and your spirit. So let, let's, everybody, and we're not, this is not condemnation. It's just something that God has been doing on this series. He's been breathing different on it. For those of us who want freedom, who battle with it, Let's just pray together. Can we do that? Yes. Let's just pray together. God, you, you don't have to repeat after me. I want to just pray over all of us together. <laughs> do a prayer for salvation. Y'all ready? I need Jesus. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but I just want to pray over us because I know what it's like to hear this and allow the enemy to try to give me condemnation. Or to hear this, do it again, and feel unworthy. I know. So I, I just want to pray. Father, the blood is powerful to cover all of our unrighteousness. So first and foremost, God, we ask you to forgive us for trying to find pleasure outside of you. Striving to find fulfillment outside of you. And God, the same prayer that I prayed back in 2014, I pray now publicly for my brothers and sisters. Prove to us you are better than that. Like I said, God, I need you to show me that you are better than this so that I won't be bound to it. I pray, God, that this will serve as a GPS system where we could be able to navigate the highways of freedom so that we could discover that you have put the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and we don't want to grieve the Spirit. Help us to identify reinforcers rather as social media, relationship, music that's reinforcing the grips of sexual immorality on us. And I pray, God, that you will give whatever man, whatever woman the boldness to be able to put light on it. Because the gym membership for lust is secrecy, and we want to be free. This is not the first time somebody's prayed this prayer of freedom. And I'm praying, God, that today this word will pierce our hearts so much so to where we'll look at love from John 15 versus from looking at love from Proverbs 7. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout amen in the room? Yeah. So since y'all are ready, if you haven't accepted Christ and you want to make him your Lord and Savior, could y'all just pray this prayer with me? God, God without, you, without you, I'm lost, I'm lost confused, confused, and I need a Savior. Need a savior. Save, me, Save me, God, from my sins. From my sins. I, believe I believe that you died on the cross, on not just for me, but as me. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day with all power in your hand. Now, Father, train me, disciple me, purge me so that I could be kingdom. I'm asking that you do it. I believe that you'll do it. It's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. So if you said that prayer for the first time, rather online, in the house, or overflow, 
Text the word Fresh Start to the number you see on the screen, 844-484-0836. There'll be a video of myself popping up, letting you know you just made one of the best decisions of your life. Now it's time to join the army and get a part of community.